Uncut. In this episode, we discuss how the worsening of the solution process is now affecting all of us, the Varosha provocation, and how Turkish Cypriots marched against it. We also discuss the protests against the COVID measures in Cyprus. Hello and welcome to Nicosia Uncut. In our last episode, we had mentioned that uh, Cypriots are marching on both sides of the divide and uh, this continued this week as well. Uh, with the massive march, uh, for instance, in the Turkish Cypriot community. Kemal, how did you experience it? Well, yes, uh, there have been marches on both sides of the divide, uh, although for uh, different reasons sometimes and also on the same reasons. There was this one big march on the 10th of November. Um, that was the, the first one after the elections. It was mainly a, a reaction against Turkey's intervention in the Turkish Cypriot affairs. So it brought together not only left who have been traditionally for the solution and then they generally march for the unification and solution, but th- there were also people who are coming from different political backgrounds and um, they are not happy with the way things are being handled by how AK Party government in Turkey have been um, infiltrating into the even the daily affairs of the Turkish Cypriots. So then there was another one on the 15th because of what happened in Varosha. It took place the same day when Erdogan visited the island. Many Turkish Cypriots saw it as a source of uh, instability. They think that it is a provocation. They think that um, things are being done um, and the Turkish Cypriots are, are not in this process. So uh, the second one was uh, also more leftish in in its nature, uh, I would say. But there were people who are not necessarily politically uh, involved. I saw some uh, faces who are not necessarily left or right, but they just felt that they had to be on the streets to protest. And in fact, it was interesting to see a number of Greek Cypriot commentators, of course, the usual aspects, I must say, uh, commenting that uh, it was impressive that the reaction came from Turkish Cypriots, in a sense, and that, uh, you know, Greek Cypriots did take courage from the fact that uh, they saw Turkish Cypriots protesting the moves, uh, both in Varosha and with the visit of uh, Erdogan in in the north. And um, there was this article yesterday by... um, Yorgos Kaskanis, um, he's a journalist in Alpha TV at the moment, and he basically said that the only hope that one can see at the moment does not come from the Greek Cypriot side, but in fact it comes from those Turkish Cypriots who can see where things are going. So it has been to some extent discussed uh, uh, in the Greek Cypriot media. Uh, Having said that, I must say that especially when you see how acts of provocation by any side are covered by the Greek Cypriot media. It is impressive to see how little of attention these uh, marches in the Turkish Cypriot community actually receive. Unfortunately, there is always this bias um, on our island media. Um, Well, I must say uh, on both sides sometimes. Uh, 
but um, it is true that uh, how the news are selected are shaped very much by the general ideology which is not always a bad thing sometimes you expect the journalists and the media outlets to have some sort of a line but you should not let your ideology uh, overshadow what has been going on uh, your reporting if you like so uh, th this is the problem and uh, yes the turkish cypriots have been on the streets they have been giving a very strong a very powerful message they are breaking taboos as well and talking about the messages that the turkish cypriots have been giving and the way they are breaking taboos i would like to underline one or two uh, things which needs to be understood for a better comprehension of the situation number one not all who are walking on the streets protesting AK Party's interference, Erdogan's interference in the Turkish Cypriot affairs are necessarily anti-Turkish, they are not necessarily, you know, ready for a federal solution, but most of them are pro-federal solution people. We can make this distinction. We have to understand, even in Turkey, maybe half of the people did not vote for Erdogan. So we can really understand that not all Turkish people or Turkish Cypriot people are necessarily belonging to a specific camp. Number two, which is also, I think, very important, is that sometimes the Greek Cypriot reaction to the Turkish Cypriots are not always helping. Let me clarify. When we, for example, go out on the streets and bring out people who are not necessarily into politics and protesting something using our right to protest against something that we think it's not right including how the pain of the varoshans were overlooked and disrespected or when turkey interferes in the turkish Cypriot affairs it doesn't necessarily mean that we are uh, approving everything the greek cypriots have been doing or that you know we are we are embracing the greek cypriot argument and narrative and, and such reactions uh, sometimes make people the turkey cypriot moderate ones if you like more concerned before going on the streets but at the end of the day i think the turkey cypriots have given a very clear message they have been giving a very clear message the message is this we would like to be a normal decent community we would like to govern ourselves this whether it should be in the form of a federal solution, whether even with the continuation of the status quo, we at the end of the day do not like others to interfere into our own affairs. But of course that again brings us to the Cyprus problem. Will it be possible for the Turkish Cypriots continue governing themselves and become an autonomous community if Cyprus problem continues? My answer to that Thank you for your comment and I have two comments to make on what you just said Kemal and it is important to be putting these perspectives, um, to be juxtaposing these perspectives. Um, on the one hand it is very important for, uh, for all of us to understand the motives and the way that the Turkish Cypriot community is acting and I often feel that there is a sense of appropriation on behalf of the Greek Cypriots when it comes to the struggles of uh, Turkish Cypriots 
Cypriots. We shouldn't be looking at the struggles of Turkish Cypriots from the perspective and from the lens of a Greek Cypriot, but we should try to empathize and understand what the motives of Turkish Cypriots are in the particular situation in which they are. And we shouldn't expect to see them either protesting for the same things that we would like them to protest or taking up a line that falls a hundred percent in line with the Greek Cypriot rhetoric. And this, of course, it should be reciprocal when it comes to the Turkish Cypriot community and its perspective of the Greek Cypriot community as well. Having said that, I was pretty impressed to see that uh, uh, there was this social media campaign that started from Turkish Cypriots. In fact, I think it started from the United Cyprus Now group because it was part of the slogans that were used in the protest uh, by United Cyprus Now activists. This no picnic over others pain uh, social media campaign that started and that it became viral. And this campaign was then used by the Greek Cypriots and when covered by the Greek Cypriot press, there was no mention that in fact this campaign started from the Turkish Cypriots, that in fact this campaign was something that was uh, made viral in the Turkish Cypriot community. And so there was, even there, there was this sense of appropriation. So we, in a sense, took this campaign, brought it to our understanding and to our perspective and portrayed it as such. So that was the one thing I would like to say. And the second thing is that from what you say, it, it is made clear that the actions of Turkish Cypriots are not enough. So you have an independent, let's say, action by Turkish Cypriots. But if we are to hope for a solution to the Cyprus problem, and if we are to hope for a federation, let's say, then an action is also needed by Greek Cypriots. There needs to be an action by Greek Cypriots to show that they are ready, that they are ready for political equality, that they are ready to politically share this island, which is what is the major uh, source of concern for Turkish Cypriots. So it is very important to be looking at things comprehensively rather than simply uh, from the perspective of either of the two communities. And I think that the message from what you just said is that we need to get together and we need to understand that it is a matter for both sides to show empathy towards each other and to act together with a view to a common goal rather than one side trying to appropriate the struggles of the other side to its own desires and aims. Of course, the social movements internally are also very much affected with the developments in the Cyprus problem. I think it is safe to say that last 20 to 30 years, the Turkish Cypriots have been fluctuating from there is no way we can agree with the Greek Cypriots, they don't accept to share power with us, or if you are cynical about the Turkish Cypriot community, then you would say, well, we have got everything we wanted, why we wanted to go back to the control, go under the control of the Greek Cypriots. This was a very uh, nationalistic right-wing narrative. But yeah, fluctuating from that they don't want to share power, let's try to get recognition, let's stay away and then let's try to survive by ourselves. To, to the other end, um, there is no way we can sustain this situation, we need to find a solution to the Cyprus problem. Hence the election of Mr. Talaten Akinji on one hand and Erolu and Tatar on the other hand. I mean, this is politics, you know, each camp has, has their own uh, weaknesses and, and strengths. 
but they are also affected with the developments of the Cyprus problem. I mean, we discussed this before. When things started to go sour after Gran Montana, the other camp became more powerful, and then, you know, of course, they also used uh, unethical ways of getting Turkey involved in the elections and, uh, you know, polarizing the voters. At the end of the day, we found ourselves in this situation where we had this very unfortunate uh, pictures from Varosha and, uh, you know, picnic in Varosha. It, it's, it, it has been a very provocative act and many Turkish Cypriots found it distasteful, to say the least, provocative and unacceptable on the other hand. So, um, but you are right in the sense that um, had this handled differently, maybe not many people would be protesting. Maybe some people would believe that, okay, Varosha somehow should be handled. And uh, since, you know, we cannot find a solution, maybe we need to handle it carefully with the, with the owners. Okay, maybe it is in the gray area. Organizations like United Cyprus now made it very clear that whatever happens in Varosha, it should happen with the United Nations resolutions, with the, with the owners of the properties, and it should be in line with the, with the international law, but also it should be giving a positive spirit. It should, be, it should not be used to poison the climate more, and this is exactly what has been going on. Even the, the offer of, of Mr. Tatar um, on asking the Greek Cypriot administration if they want to send their patients, we are now building a new hospital, we can you know, host them. If, you, if you're making it in, in good spirit, it will be a, a good uh, suggestion. But if you are using it as a, as a political campaign for your own distasteful uh, paradigm, then it is not something positive. And it was all very provocative on Sunday indeed. I think it made Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots very upset. You could sense the arrogance basically behind it. Having said that, of course, it appears that the Republic of Cyprus government and the Greek uh, Cypriot press are also suddenly waking up to the need for a return to negotiations as a solution out of Turkey's actions and provocations. And how can we tell this? I mean, in the past, Nikos Anastasiadis had stated that the move in Varosha by Turkey would mean that he would not return to negotiations. This position is now changed. Yesterday, and I, in fact it was the second time in the past week, that the Minister of Foreign Affairs openly stated that without a solution to the Cyprus problem, the possibility of annexation of the northern part of Cyprus to Turkey exists. And, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> United Cyprus now has been speaking of, uh, of a hard border with Turkey on Lidra Street for the past at least three and a half years. And then there are, the questions are pressing for the Republic of Cyprus government at the moment. Did they really suddenly wake up to this? What was the Republic of Cyprus thinking when using its political capital and its veto in the U European Union over gas explorations? What is its leverage now? How can it ask for more from the European Union? When the European Union officials were arriving to Cyprus, why was the Cyprus problem and the return to negotiations completely ignored? We have a, no we have a number of European Union officials that in the past, they visited Cyprus in the past one and and two years, 
And there was absolutely no mention of a bisonal by communal federation. The Cyprus problem was out of the picture. And all we were discussing was gas explorations. There was this communication stance with EU officials that were flown over the exclusive economic zone. Why was the government not keen then to press the issue of Varosha, to press uh, for a return to negotiations and to use its leverage within the European Union to call for this rather than to put all the focus in seeking for veto and sanctions within the European Union on the issue of gas explorations. And it is very easy for one to say, yes, but look what uh, Turkey was doing and uh, how did you expect the Republic of Cyprus to react? But the issue is that it is the Republic of Cyprus sovereignty that we are talking about. It is the integrity of the country that we are talking about. And fatalistic approaches should not be accepted when the stakes are so high. And, and, and sadly, really, the, the Republic of Cyprus government has shown an ineptitude to assess the situation and, and to foresee developments. And this is what it is now faced with. Well, you know, the governments uh, can always be forgiven for the mistakes they do in the history of the world. You know, um, you, you know, they, they they get away with it because you choose another government and then you curse them for you know how many years and then it's over. What about the civil society? What about the media? What about the intellectual circles of the country? Where have they been when all these mistakes have been constantly being done? Where have they been when we have been saying? the pro-solution civil society have constantly been seeing, talking about the threats that Statisco possess, that the potential instabilities that we will be facing if we cannot solve the Cyprus problem. At those times, those were heard as if it's just the narratives or boring repetitions of the pro-solution camp. Now, People are realizing the threats created by those situations. We hear statements like, oh, we should solve the Cyprus problem, we should sit down and discuss. Of course, uh, Warusha was one thing. We are also in this unfortunate situation of COVID, mm -hmm. which is not helping the bicommunal cooperation. What is the latest uh, we have been hearing um, many different uh, things about the Greek Cypriot community's uh, response to COVID. It is not even helping the focus on how to sort the Cyprus problem because the imminent danger at the moment and the most immediate one is COVID. And uh, yes, Cyprus has seen a spike in cases in the past month and uh, this has led to um, a, an almost complete lockdown of Limassol and Paphos. Um, in a decision that, to be honest, my personal opinion is that it has created more problems than it has solved. Uh, the government decided to close the access to and from Limassol and Paphos, uh, from other cities. They were clearly unprepared for the decision that they took because they closed the, the routes to and from these two cities, but they excluded some what they called services of substance. They literally 
built roadblocks in the highways blocking people from entering or exiting these two cities and they are conducting checks there to make sure that the people who enter they are authorized etc they even announced that from the 18th of november any person who enters uh, or exits uh, limassol they need to have a pcr test valid for at least one week so this created another chaos for uh, limassolians who actually had to go and take the tests uh, in order for them to be able to go to their jobs either in Nicosia or in Larnaca and in the other cities. So we are in a chaotic situation. I must say that, yes, and you, you know, when you pinpoint to two particular uh, cities and you in a sense say that you are the, that you are the ones with the virus, you know, because this is what they but did with the way that they handled right? the lockdown. You create this sense of resentment on behalf of those of the citizens of those two cities. And there was, I must say, a mass demonstration in Limassol uh, last week. I need to be clear on this. The Limassolians have a right to protest the, the measures that are being imposed upon them, especially when compared to what happens in the rest of the country. And they have a right to feel that they are being targeted. Uh, because we are really talking about such a small country that these sort of distinctions are really pointless. Having said that though, and because I watched the demonstration, I watched the demonstration as it was covered live on social media, there were a lot of things heard during the demonstration that should make everyone concerned. You had people speaking against vaccines, you had people speaking against 5G, and not only speaking against these issues, but being cheered by the thousands of people who were there. You had people, there were people claiming that there are people who have received five and six thousand euros in order to claim that they are, uh, that they are COVID-19 patients. There was a lot of incitement to, to violence. Uh, nobody was wearing masks. There were no distances uh, taken. So while I understand the frustration of people and I understand that there is a need for people to protest, I must say that if we do not act rationally in the way we assess the situation and in the way we assess our frustration, which is excused um, towards uh, the government and towards those who take decisions, we might be led to extremism. And this is what this demonstration made me fearful of, because what you heard was populist slogans, anti-scientific, all mixed up with this excused frustration and financial frustration of people about corruption and about uh, representative democracy and everything. But this mix is always what has been helping the far right throughout history. This is what has been happening and we need to be aware of this and we need to be alert to this. In the Turkish Cypriot community, um, I think we are doing okay with the COVID. We didn't have um, any specific big numbers, uh, one or two, zero most of the time last uh, two weeks because we don't have any uh, open flights and, uh, and the crossings uh, from the south uh, are also limited. So um, 
we are in the situation where we feel more comfortable with COVID nowadays. Um, we are nowadays very much busy with following the developments uh, to set up a new coalition. The previous coalition of uh, Tatar Özersay was uh, dissolved because Özersay pulled out and uh, because of the Turkish intervention into Varosha uh, and the Turkish Cypriot affairs. We are going to have, again, a coalition of UBP and People's Party. Whether Kudret will be the driving seat or not, we will see. Um, so before we finish, I think we can tell our listeners that they can also <laughs> watch us talking about <laughs> oh, the peace process in Cyprus. No, but the sad part about that was that it was planned to be Rick, taking place on, with both of us present uh, uh, at the same time, and, and we uh, had to do it good. separately because of uh, new restrictions in, uh, Credits in to you. the crossing points. So, uh, Kemal, I saw a picture of us demonstrating together yesterday. I I don't know. I, I ran into it randomly on my laptop and really it seemed like so distant the COVID time when we could actually yes. be in the streets together so yes yes Let's hope for the vaccine. In the meantime, I'm going much. to Enjoy place the link for the program. If anybody wants to listen to it or watch it, uh, you will be able to click on the link and then uh, see what we were trying to say. I think that's all for today.